Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again, as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me. Now, grumpy old man, do you notice what we're brandishing here in the background of this once dreary wall? Well, your face is still there, so it's still pretty dreary, but I do see a very big <laughs> Islander plaque. It looks it looks mighty neat. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> from one of our uh, longtime listeners, Grumpy, and I know you had received one as well. We've been in talks there um, with said listener there. We got it. He said, your walls look way too plain. We got to get you some Islanders merchandise to brandish on the back of it. And it looks great, um, Grumpy old man. I just don't know how you're going to fit anything like that in your house, Grump. I have a wife who lives in my house, and she's her nickname is Pia. Um, what, what, grumpy what does that acronym mean pia pain and you can figure out the set the third world uh the third world word yourself uh pia oh gosh grumpy old man you better you're gonna get yourself in hot water over there grump what else is new i'm always in hot water <laughs> oh goodness grumpy old man well we do have before we get everything started i mean there was a huge trade that happened in the nhl either late last night or early this morning i can't remember all the days seem to be running in together but we do have a quick ad to read um the sponsor of the podcast today grump so i'm gonna start off with that um peace kid fans the moment you've been waiting for all season is right around the corner and DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55, is bringing back the golden ticket giveaway with up to $55 million in prizes up for grabs. All you have to do is all you have to do to get your share of the huge prizes is enter DraftKings free Super Bowl prediction challenge. Once you submit your picks, you'll get an instant free prize up to $25,000. Wow. Um, and if you have the most uh, predictions correct, you could win the top prize of $1 million. Download the app now and enter the free prediction challenge and answer questions like uh, who will score the last point and boom, you'll get ready to make it rain. Oh, wow. <laughs> 
that's not dialect I usually use, Grumpy. Uh, DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its players since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. Um, download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to enter to get a free $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Uh, everyone gets an instant prize of up to $25,000 just for playing. So use the code THPN now to enter the, the free $55 million Super Bowl challenge. Only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms and conditions and eligibility restrictions may apply. See DraftKings.com for detail, grumpy old man. Well, I'm going to tell you what there, TJ. Uh, I was surprised you were able to read that without messing it up somehow. I did. The, I the, did. So the code THPN, uh, what does that stand for? The Hockey Podcast Network, Grumpy. Oh, okay. And I know you struggled with, uh, you know, make it like I've seen these commercials, which is uh, giving some money and make it rain. That's that's how you're supposed to do it. Well, they said rain, but they spelt it like R-E-I-G-A-G-N. Like right, rain, right. like you're raining a kingdom. Rain, right. like. No, Grump. Rain is R-A-I-R-A-I-N, Grumpy. That's a term rain they're using. They misspelled it, in my opinion. I need to start proofreading what we get beforehand, I guess, is what this means, Grumpy. No. See, think about it. Draft kings, right? And a king has what? Uh, A rain. I mean, I hate to have to explain to you the very definition of the sponsor, but that's why I'm here to help you out. Like I said, I'm stunned you were able to read that without just, just stumbling and mumbling over the whole thing. Oh, grumpy old man. Don't even get me started. You're starting early, Grump. We're not even five minutes in and you're already busting my balls, grumpy old man. Well, I see you're also wearing a Real Madrid shirt. I see you're also taking a stand, not wearing or brandishing any Islanders gear as usual, grumpy. Tell me why you're wearing Real Madrid today. The Islanders are not playing. The the Madridistas uh, are struggling a little bit. They were knocked out of uh, Copa del Rey as well as the Spanish Super Cup. Uh, this week, so I felt like they need some help. They did win today. They beat Alaves uh, four to one, and it's funny, you know. I remember they were an absolutely spectacular team for a lot of a lot of years. Uh, they won four out of five Champions League titles. Then they lose the best player on their team, and uh, they've kind of been uh, treading water ever since. Grump, I've got to ask you: Is this a soccer podcast or is this a hockey podcast, Grumpy old man? It's a hockey podcast. I just say, you know, if we don't get more talented players, we're just going to continue to tread water. That's all. (laughs) Trying to tie it in. I like it, grumpy old man. I like it. I'll be honest. I'm not going to take credit for hanging this up. I do have to give credit to Paige. She's the the one who hosts there, our Stump the Grump segment. And I'll be honest. I'm happy she's more than handy, and she went ahead and got right to work and put this up and made it where it fit aesthetically behind into the frame of the picture, grumpy old man. Knowing me, I probably would have screwed up in some capacity. So I've got to give I've got to give Paige some credit here before we bring her on to Stump the Grump. Well, I'm glad you do, and I have a plan for mine. Uh, like I said, I haven't hung it up yet, but I, I there's something I'm going to do probably next podcast. Uh, I'm going to do something a little bit funny, a little bit retro, and just see what people think. Oh, God, grumpy old man. You're making me worry a little bit. Oh, my goodness. Well, I want to bring on Paige for the Stump the Grump segment where she introduces myself and the grumpy old man to new words and dialect and how it's changed, how the young kids are using it these days. She usually stumps the grumpy old man and myself, so we'll go ahead and bring her in. 
Hey, Paige, thanks for being on here. And thank you for obviously helping us get this Islanders logo up here. Paige, what word do you have for us today? Today I have cap or no cap. can be used in either terminology. TJ, I would hope you would know what this is. I think it's used a lot over um, social media. If Grumpy will know. Well, uh, cap, I mean, you know, it used to be like a baseball cap. You know, something like that, a type of hat, or you put a cap in somebody's ass, something like that. No cap. Uh, you know, hey, I'm not going to shoot you down today. Uh, maybe that's what it means, something like that. No cap means to lie. I know no cap means you're being truthful or honest. I'm not sure exactly how those words of cap had deviated to that point, but I know cap means that. That is correct. Well, let me tell you something. Another stupid word and stupid sentence. You should have put it in a sentence and you didn't. And all truth be told, I came on the podcast a little bit early today. Mm -hmm. And I heard Paige and TJ talking mad shit about the grumpy old man. I caught them and I was interested. I just sat down. I'm like, oh, look at it. Now the truth comes out. You know, they were pretty high on my list. Mm. Now they're sinking lower. I'm just going to say there's somebody else that I just saw today who's moving up on the list. When you talk junk about the, about the grumpy old man, you're going to be dropping. So I just uh, said you would be upset with this word. You would be like, why has this word ever been invented? This is That's, Paige, I just knew that was going to be your reaction. This is Paige doing the backstroke right now. Nice try, Paige. Get rid of her, TJ. Get off my podcast. All righty. Usually I kick you off pretty quick, but Grumpy is ready to go ahead and move on to some hockey talk. Thank you, Paige, for stumping the Grumpy Old Man. It was an easy one for me right in my wheelhouse. But thanks for stumping the Grumpy Old Man, Paige. No problem. Bye. All righty, Grumpy. Um, huge trade. Blockbuster trade. We've heard for quite some time that Patrick Lining was unhappy with the Winnipeg Jets. We had. And we knew something was going to happen. I mean, like they were having contract issues as well. Long-term, there was no secure option there for them. They didn't want to move on, whatever. Um, he gets traded to the Columbus Blue Jackets, essentially for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, you want to talk about a blockbuster move. Two young NHL budding superstars get exchanged. Yeah, I mean, Jack Rossner also went the other way. From Winnipeg and, and a third round pick went back. Yeah. So in in essence, uh, I mean, tough to decipher that trade. I mean, we couldn't have done something like that. We couldn't have come up with some piece to move earlier in the offseason to get somebody like that. I just think if you're a little bit creative, maybe it's something we could have done. Hold on, Grumpy. I'll tell you. Pierre-Luc Dubois is, is an outstanding player. I know you're talking. You wanted Patrick Liney. Islander fans were touting all offseason long. We want Patrick Liney. He's a goal scorer. He's that elite sniper that we were looking for in the wing. But grumpy old man, we did not have anything that we could have that would have garnished a return of Patrick Liney. I mean, if we wanted to trade for him, it would have required Noah Dobson amongst other young, talented players and draft capital, grumpy old man. You don't know that. You don't know that. I mean, we could have moved Devon Taves. I mean, he's leading defenseman in scoring this year. Like he moves off of this team, he's he's a goal scoring juggernaut for Colorado right now. Plays on the top pairing defense. He would have been on the top pair there. That's what they really need is defensemen. I mean, Dubois. The only reason this happens could because Dubois 
said he wanted to be traded. He didn't want to be in Columbus, even after signing that deal. He didn't want to be there. He demanded a trade. That's the only reason this deal happened. We could have done something, but the fossil can't think think, think outside the box. Grumpy. I'm going to let you know something. As much as I think we got underpaid for Devon Taves' ability, I will say this much, right? Everybody knew that we had cap issues, and we were not going to get the full value of a player like Devon Taves because we were in those cap issues, Grump. So it didn't matter. Even if we were trying to move for a Patrick Line, again, we were still on the same issue. But so was Winnipeg, and we would have had to take off. Actually, Line makes more money than Devon Taves is making this for the next four years, right? Uh, Taves is making four and a half million a year, and I believe Line is making something like 5.2. But I'm going to tell you what you and Line is going to be a restricted free agent after this year, I believe. So you're going to have to resign him. Uh, that's what that's what the urgency to move him was. And the whole thing was would you take a guy who scored these four years in the league and scored over 50 points every year? I mean, he's a superstar, right? I'm not saying we wouldn't. Uh, again, like it's going to come back to the central point. I know we as Islander fans knew what we had in a guy like Devon Taves. That being said, grumpy old man, the situation we were in, we were not going to get the return that you would have thought would have been would have been favorable for the Islanders. We would have had to give up Devon Taves over the offseason and then some. And again, that's the big part. What was the and then some that was also required there on top of that trade? I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe maybe all of the young guys we have in the farm system, defensemen that Winnipeg needs that are never going to play on our team. Maybe we could have thrown some of them in there. I mean, uh, just just a thought. Yes. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I'm happy that both of those players were moved. They're both unhappy in their current situations. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what happens here for Columbus and Winnipeg here going forward. Grumpy old man. Um, that's all I'm going to say. I mean, Dubois was getting benched there for quite some time there for. For the, the for the Blue Jackets because he just wasn't happy and he didn't want to participate. So coach was like, "Hey, we're going to go ahead and not play him." So you know, you knew something was imminent to happen. Um, I'm just happy to see those two really really talented players back on the ice here. Hopefully soon. Yeah, well, Tortorella has had issues with Dubois, but uh, you got a guy that young. I mean, everyone knows that uh, Tortorella is definitely a taskmaster, um, but. For me, I, I just I just don't believe in giving up on a good young player. That said, if you are going to give up on a good young player, you get something back, and they got a good young player coming back. Uh, and they lost uh, Anderson. Josh Anderson went to Montreal, goal scorer for them. So Line A fills a role there. Uh, I'll be interested to see how it works out, but I don't like the fact that Line is playing in our division now because he can shoot the puck. I'll tell you this much, and I think Scott brings it up a good point here. Line will have trouble and would have had trouble in Trotz's system playing defense. I think that's 100% accurate. How do you think he would do in Barry Trotz's system? So, again, like it, that's another big thing too, right, especially if you're bringing in a guy who, again, has the pedigree, has the ability to score goals, which is what we desperately need. Um, if he doesn't play the, the defensive way and he doesn't go ahead and play a good two-way game – Man, I'll tell you one thing. He was going to be getting teared. He would, he would be teared into on a consistent basis by uh, by Barry Trotz. Well, you know, at some point in time, though, we have to, uh, you know, okay, does he play enough defense? And I'm going to go back to, so Mike Bossy couldn't play on this team or Wayne Gretzky couldn't play on this team because they played zero defense. So you're going to pass up on talent just because they don't play a defense-first system? I mean, you know, 
Think about how often he's ripped Barzal, right, in the last couple of years. The only guy who gets shredded by that coach in public. But everybody else is cool, and they don't have a shred of his talent. And without the talented guys, you go absolutely nowhere. I mean, you look at how Matt Barzal is playing so far this year, and is there – I mean – Anyone else on the Islanders that's even 50% of the player that he is? I don't think so. He's to me, he's all alone out there. Really? I think Matt Barzal is head over heels, probably our best player. And again, like that's what you expect with a guy like that. He's going to be the best player on our team, hopefully, for years to come. Uh, I think he's improved a lot of portions of his game. I mean, he's he's had a pretty damn was it was it against the Devils the first game against the Devils that he went ahead and put the, another shot right up in the tour department was that also against the Devils grumpy old man? Yes, it was. And something else I want to bring up about that, uh, you know, the king of the secondary assist, Josh Bailey, for those uninitiated, uh, has managed to managed to turn a primary assist into a secondary assist. He, uh, I mean, he took the puck. He had it. Dobson made a pass over to uh, Bailey, who just kind of chipped it in his own zone to Barzal, who took it all the way down the ice, made a fantastic play and sniped top top uh, right corner. And you want to know something? That turned a primary assist into a secondary assist because he has absolutely nothing to do with the goal. Mm. Grump, I'm going <laughs> to – Hey, everybody knows the play. All he did was chip it off the boards in his own end. Barzell picked it up in his own end, skated past two or three guys, and sniped it against the goalie. But, I, uh, Matt Bailey had nothing to do with that. Nothing. Okay, Grump. Well, again, you know, you could say the same exact thing with one of the Dobson's assists here last game as well. Again, I don't get too much in arguing about who had the first primary assist, who had the secondary assist. Again, when you start digging through that minutia, you know, you can make the argument, hey, if a guy has a secondary assist, he's the one who's the catalyst, right? Again, I think it's silly, Grump. You like chiming on that, and so do other haters. I don't. Well, here's the thing. I just wanted to make sure that everyone knew that even though – because I always call him the king of the secondary assist. That was technically a primary assist, but in reality, it wasn't even – okay, he was able to chip the board, the the puck off the board. That's it. He did nothing, and Barzell did it all himself, all of it himself. Grump, I want to switch a little bit. I want to switch gears. I do because you know we let you go down this rabbit hole. You'll be complaining all day. We got to switch gears. We got to guide you, grumpy old man. Um, I thought the Islanders' power play looked good against the Devils. I did. Now again, the power play has been up and down, but I think it's noticeable that when Noah Dobson's on the ice and he's on the power play, I think it moves a little quicker. He's not afraid to consistently put the puck on the net. I know that you know Nick Letty and that other power play unit was able to go ahead and also score and convert with a nice deflection there by Brock Nelson. A great deflection by Brock Nelson. Um, but I'll tell you, it's just something about the power play unit. I think when Dobson's on the ice, he distributes the puck a little quicker, and he's not afraid to throw it from poor angles towards the net. And, again, that's when craziness and stuff can happen. Um, it, I guess it's reassuring. Again, the power play is going to be a big a big point for us this year because I think the penalty kill is there. I think having John Gabriel Pajot and him being a part of this team here going forward is going to help long-term the power play, and we're going to see good numbers on that. I don't think it's crazy to think that we might be top 10 on penalty kill this year. I'm sorry. I think he's helped out a lot to the penalty kill. Let me rephrase myself. I think it's not ridiculous to think that we might be top 10 in penalty kill this year. Uh, our face-offs are through the roof. We're winning face-offs left and right, which does also help there with the penalty kill. Um, it's just all about trying to get the special teams and the power play going. Yeah, and that's a huge improvement, uh, uh, the, winning the faceoffs from last year. I think that's the biggest improvement the Islanders have made as a team. Um, 
going back to your uh, power play goal by Nelson from Letty, the whole thing was Letty shot the puck. He tried to put the puck on net. And it was a nice deflection by, by Nelson, without a doubt. The thing that makes Noah Dobson, I think, integral, and I'm glad he's on the first power play unit, how many guys take their point shots and miss the net or it gets blocked out front? It doesn't. Not with him, he gets the puck on net most all the time, which is really – it's tough in this day and age. Everybody collapses and everybody blocks a whole lot of shots out front. But he's able to get it through and get it on target, which should generate more chances for guys like Average and uh, J.G. Pajot when he's out there. Well, that's that's the biggest issue with Ryan Pulak, right? For a long time, we thought he was going to be definitely the the quarterback on the power play. Had a you know blistering slap shot, a howitzer, grumpy old man, and <clears throat> he just can't put the puck on that. I mean, he's even when he sits in the trigger spot, he still just misses the net an awful lot, or he'll bury it into a spot that's not advantageous. I mean, like that's the biggest thing. I mean, if Ryan Pulak could finally get the accuracy down on that slap shot. And even take, you know, again, I like it obviously being a hard slap shot, but I mean, take a little off of it and get it on net. I mean, when you're sitting in one of those prime opportunities to score and you're just missing the net every single time, you don't even create a chance there for a rebound. Um, so, I, again, that's that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest issue we have. And I think Dobson does a great job of putting it there relatively close to on that um, grumpy old man. But I'll tell you, it's the power play is going to be a big point of emphasis this, this season. I think yeah. five, five play, we've looked good. Um, yeah. again, I try to, I try to real quick, Grumpy. I try to go ahead and taper expectations, right? Because we've played the the New York Rangers twice, and, and we've played the Devils once. So again, those are teams that you expect towards the bottom of the division. So I'm trying to taper expectations until we start playing the Washington Capitals and the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Philadelphia Flyers, those type of teams. Yeah, I'm more worried about the Flyers right now. Uh, Washington. Uh, we play them this week, and they have four guys, four key players out on uh, COVID. Yeah, whatever for contract. I, I don't know. I, I don't think they, they actually have it, but I think they were hanging out in a hotel room. Contact tracing there. That's around, it. That's asking, it. Something yeah. like that. Long story short, they're out because of COVID or, or they're about the, co- uh, the COVID protocol. So, I mean, again, I think Ovechkin, Sansonoff is, I think, hurt or injured, something like that. And now, again, I think also um, – Yeah, Backstrom and also Tom Wilson. He's out with a lower body injury there for Washington. So, again, that looks like a team that's a little banged up right now. And we always seem to play them very well since Barry Trotz has been here for certain. Um it's just interesting. And, uh, you know, I want to touch base on the penalty kill. I think J.G. Pajot has certainly helped out when it comes to that. Uh, you know, it gives Casey a little bit of rest. And the fact that we're just so strong as a systematically on the defensive end, I think that helps us on the penalty kill. I mean, we're we're not giving up chances in front of the net. I don't even think our goalies have really had to been spectacular this year, goalies. I'll say Varlamov. Uh, I mean, he's given up one goal in three games. Um, But, you know, most of the shots are from the outside. You're not seeing those prime scoring chances like, you know, we have in the past. I I just think we're so sound defensively. uh, That bodes well for the penalty kills. We're healthy, which is important. Knock on wood. We're healthy. And, again, grumpy old man, we've played some of the teams that I expect at the bottom of the division. I really do. Again, as much as – 
you know, the Rangers do have a lot of high octane scoring power and they have, you know, the forward depth there. And the same token, the defense, in my opinion, really isn't there. Um, I know Shesterkin was going to be a good goalie, but again, still not, the defense isn't, isn't sound yet, in my opinion, grumpy old man. Um, but here's an interesting stat I wanted to read you, grumpy old man. You, we have talked about the face-off percentages being eons better than they were last season, grumpy old man. So far, the Islanders are winning 57.1% of their draws in the face-off dot. Casey Zizekas has won so far this season 64% of his face-offs, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, 61.97, Brock Nelson, 60%, and Matt Barzal, 55.56% of his face-offs. You want to talk about a drastic improvement. That is huge. I don't expect us to still continue by the end of the season winning 57% of the, you know, the face-offs we take. But in the same token, if we're able to go ahead and be towards, you know, the top end of the, of the list there on the face-off dot, I think that only bodes well there also for helping out those special team units. Yeah, I also think that it's helped that we played the Rangers and the Devils, three of our first four games. I think the only game that we uh, our numbers were lower uh, was against Boston. So, uh, but uh, I mean, any improvement? I mean, we've been terrible at faceoffs the last number of years. So that's a big improvement for us, particularly for a team that spends a lot of time in the defensive zone. Um, I mean, I, I'm happy about that. I hate to admit it, but I'm happy about something the Islanders are doing. <laughs> well, Grump, here we go. I want to go ahead. Paul has a question. He says, hey, Grumpy. And I'm assuming that's like a, hey, Grumpy, glad to come around and see you. How do you feel or how about all of these over-the-hill Islanders carrying the team to a 3-1 start? Grumpy. Played the Rangers and the Devils three games out of four. And the Boston game, let's be honest, we were outplayed, lucky to win. I mean – you know, I predicted us to be four and zero, and we're at this point, and we're three and one. So that's a failure, as far as I'm concerned. Stop, stop, grumpy old man. You're ridiculous. I will tell you this much. Again, I, I'm always trying to taper expectations because remember, the Devils are hideously bad. I know their record was good to start the season. We've talked about it though. I mean, when they played the Boston Bruins, the Bruins have been struggling mightily so far this season. They're one line team missing Pasternak. Correct, grumpy old yeah, man. That's right. And again, like they struggle. They struggle big time. I, I don't know if they've scored. I haven't kept up with them much. Oh, they have? They did against the Flyers. They scored. But it wasn't until the, the, uh, the third period where they scored a couple of even strength goals because they hadn't done it before then. And they wound up beating the Flyers, which even though I hate Boston, well, you know what? They're playing the Flyers. <laughs> Grumpy old man. I'm not sure what's – What's larger, your hatred for the Flyers or your hatred for the Bruins? I guess it's your hatred for the Flyers, though. For certain. I absolutely despise the Flyers. <laughs> I can't think anything about good about the Flyers or actually the whole city of Philadelphia. <laughs> Grump, we also have a comment here from Scott. I'm just getting a few of the older comments here. He says, hey, guys, P.K. Supan showed some class and great sportsmanship as he helped Brock to the bench and made sure he was okay after Brock was cut. I will tell you one thing. That's one thing about hockey players in the sport of hockey and those professional athletes. They most times are the nicest of all the professional athletes. They're usually very humble people. And again, like you see the empathy and the care for something like that. Again, I'm not saying that other sports don't have this. I'm just saying that the community and I feel like the hockey in general, the hockey community, uh, they're very caring people. And again, that was a great, that was a great sign of class here by PK Supan. Say what you want about a bad season last year, but stuff like that always speaks very highly of character. And I think it means a lot. 
Yeah, I'll say that uh, you're right. I think that most hockey players, without a doubt, are the nicest of the professional athletes. And maybe it's because they all come from Canada and not the United States. Uh, <laughs> but I do want to say something about P.K. Subban. Uh, Subban sorry. Uh, the fact that he was out there helping out uh, Brock Nelson was probably because the way he's been playing, maybe he's destined for a career as a trainer because he's not been good as a player. <laughs> Stop, grumpy old man. I was waiting for a backhanded jab out of a moment. I was just speaking to the character of PK Subban. Yeah, I don't. I, like I said, I, he's from Canada. Uh, they're nicer than we are, um, but he's just not much of a player anymore. So maybe you know he thinks he's a trainer. Let's go out there and help somebody so I can still get some ice time. Stop. We know you're being facetious, of course. Uh, that being said, again, he's another guy with a great slap shot, just a defensive side of the puck. It hasn't been there. And again, he's playing for the Devils. So I try to I try to take everything with a grain of salt, Grumpy. I mean, like, it's unfortunate that he's bounced around in a lot of different places. I mean, you hope he finds a forever home. And again, he's able to cement himself and be happy long term. Yeah, for a guy like that, I mean, let's be honest, he has a lot of natural ability, but there's reasons why he's been, I think, what is his third organization? Well, um, well, I think it's important to say as an elite defender, right, as a guy who's got that, you know, tier of, hey, I'm an elite defender, I'm a top-pairing defenseman, those type of players usually don't get traded very often unless it's unless it's a purpose of like a cap dump. Very rarely do those players get traded. But, yeah, this is his third organization, Grumpy. He originally started off with Montreal, I believe, then it was to the Nashville Predators and now to the Devils. Right. Montreal thought he was too much of a me guy. That's why he got moved. Um, and then Nashville couldn't wait to dump him. What, after a year he got moved from there, so he didn't fit in there. Uh, very personable. Uh, maybe he's just not interested in hockey. Maybe he's interested in other things, which he considers more important than hockey. I mean, here's the thing. He's not an elite defenseman because he doesn't play any defense. I mean, you could say the same thing about Carlson. But Carlson does, but he doesn't put up the numbers Carlson used to put up. I guess that was important, right? For the people who are listening to the podcast, I was throwing up the air quotes, elite defenseman. Uh, so it <laughs> doesn't carry, I guess, the same over the airwave. I guess I have to go ahead and, yeah, I was using quotation marks there, grumpy old man. Yeah, one, one thing about that, he is playing better this year, he, uh, albeit with a small sample size. It seems like he's playing better this year than he has. But I've, I've never been a super fan of his because he doesn't play any defense and he gets burned at inopportune times. And he's like, he couldn't play here either. Well, I'll be honest, neither could Eric Carlson or a lot of those other guys who put up a lot of points. It's really tough. I mean, like those guys, they almost focus a little more there on the offensive production than they actually do towards playing defense. It's the same exact reason I don't think Eric Carlson would ever be able to play for, for Barry Trotz either. Yep. I'm going to tell you what. I saw something. It was uh, – I DVR'd something from last year, and they were doing like uh, NHL's top 100 players. And they had something on Mike Bossy. And it was interesting because Butch Goring was talking to the NHL network or whoever, and he mentioned how, uh, you know, we were really good defensive – no, it wasn't Butch. It wasn't Butch. It was Denny Potvin. And he said, you know, we were really good defense, defensively, but we couldn't, you know, we didn't score a whole lot of goals. And I'm all of a sudden, I'm starting to froth at the mouth. I mean, hey, we're seeing that right now, right? And he says, you know what? They brought in Mike Bossy. And even though, you know, he was acclaimed for not playing in defense, he gave us the element that made our team jump to another level. You know, maybe Lou should think about that. You know what? Maybe if we put some more pucks in the net, we'll be even better than we are now. Maybe it's a possibility. Just consider it. 
consider going after somebody when they're on the market like Patrick Line or well, someone who could put the puck in the net on a regular basis. Grumpy old man. I'm sure, as you know, I think yesterday was Mike Bossy's birthday. He could come out now and probably be our leading goal scorer. Stop. Stop. With Matt Barzal shooting the way he is with the confidence he's shown in the first few games, man, oh, man, I'm expecting big things from him this year. I know he's got four points, had two goals and two assists only in four games. I'm expecting no big things the way he's been shooting the puck. He Okay, I know he had three points against the Devils. He had a multi-point game against the Devils. I think he only has four points so far this year, Grumpy. Okay, I, I, I don't know exactly. But it was nice to see Jordan Everly score – I want to I want to say like a goal scorer's goal. The second one, it was on a shot that uh, Dobson took. That was it. Almost looked like he was deliberately shooting it off off net, and the rebound went to Everly, and he had a bad angle. But when you're hot, man, oh man, I'm going to tell you what. That's a goal scorer's goal, scoring from the angle that he did. And if we can get, and let's be honest, right? Everly's a streaky scorer. He just is, and uh, we have quite a few streaky scorers on this team. But we have to get some of them going. And it's nice to see Everly heating up a little bit. I think those were the first two points of the year. And our first line, and mainly just because of Matt Barzal, has been by far our best line the whole year. Yeah, and I'll tell you, it's, you know, we saw more production out of our top six against the Devils, and we hope that's a trend that's going to continue to head in that direction. Uh, you know, they had a little bit of a rough start. I know Brock Nelson scored the first goal of the season. Uh, but again, we didn't. We didn't really hang up a lot of points here with their top six, so it's nice to see them kind of getting their footing and start moving. Yeah, okay. You realize that the second line hasn't scored a goal all year. Power plays don't count because you're not playing. You need an even strength goal. Yes, or even when they're all out there at the same time. I mean, Nelson has scored two power play goals, and uh, Bailey had that the assist to Barzal when he was just probably too lazy to get off the ice or too slow. So Stop. he just chipped it off the boards and Barzell did the rest. But they haven't – Anthony Bavillier has been just not good right now. We're they, four games in the season. You're not going to see me talking too much about players' trends when we're this early. Obviously, like I'll say, hey, I'm hopeful this guy's going to continue that way. But, Grump, we're only four games in the season. Maybe if we're, you know, seven or eight games in the season, yeah, sure. Now I'm starting to look at that. Four games in the season, still a little early yet for me. I'm just saying Anthony Barzal has not looked Anthony good. Anthony Bavillier, you mean, right? Yes, I'm sorry. Anthony Barzal, I was about to say, you're making an amalgamation of both the guys there, Grump. Thank you very much. And the use of the word amalgamation is certainly appreciated. Uh, <laughs> Bavillier has not looked good this year. He's had a couple of uh, point-blank chances that he just missed or just, you know, bury it right in the guy's chest. I mean, um, his, his thing, Bavillier is a streaky scorer too. So when he gets hot, he gets hot. Um it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him contract-wise at the end of the season because he's going to have to put up some numbers if he wants to get a big-time contract in this current environment. Hmm. Yeah, grumpy old man. I have a few more comments I want to show here. Paul, he was chiming in on your earlier talk there. You talking about Liney. What you know? What it would have taken to get a Patrick Liney? He says maybe Devon Taves this offseason and Anthony Bavillier. Again, maybe that kind of did it. I it doesn't really matter too much. I mean, like, obviously, we didn't get it done. And, I mean, I think Pierre-Luc Dubois is hopefully going to light it up there in Winnipeg. And it'll be interesting to see how line A plays there for trots. Yeah, but you see, look at a trade like that. I'm sorry. You see a trade You see a trade like that. Um, that works for both teams, right? If you don't think you can sign Taves, even though you could have. Um, and Bavillier, who, I mean – He's really at best a second line player, 
for a guy who's a premier scorer. That give that what does that do? That opens up the door for Wallstrom to come in and play on the second line. Uh, I mean, you got to give the opportunity to the younger guys. You know, well, you talk about you talk about that, right, Grumpy? Wallstrom uh, might be getting his first start, his first start there for the Islanders this season against the Devils tomorrow. We're recording this podcast here on Saturday with a live stream, but he he was pro- he was practicing in the spot there of Kiefer Bellows today at practice. So, I mean, all signs point to maybe he's going to be getting the nod tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I re- they got to get these guys playing. I'm just, I'm, I'm baffled. I don't think Kiefer Bellows has done anything to, you know, sit. I mean, unless they just want to rotate the guys, and I'm fine with that. But does that mean that Ross Johnson is going to sit and they're going to bring Del Cole in? I mean, haven't we seen enough of him? Well, right. I mean, like they, he was asked today to comment Barry Trotz, and they said, is the reason you're kind of getting Wallstrom involved because you want to see more of him? And, you know, he responds with, you know, the, the normal jargon that coaches and head coaches respond with, oh, we want to see more of him, Michael Del Cole, Sarnak, Timosov, you know, reads down the list of guys who <laughs> they've made acquisitions for, they think might be able to have a chance to play sometime this year and say, yes, we want to see more of all those players. So, again, keeping everything and actual plans tight to the chest. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I want to see the young guys play. I mean, I don't know why he feels he has to be so secretive. Uh, well, all coaches are. Yeah. Yeah, some are. If you look at Bruce Arians down for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think anything that he thinks of, he says to the media. And I'm like, dude, why are you saying anything? I don't understand, but he does. But you're right. Most coaches are like that. But I, I would just – I'd, lo- I mean, let's be honest. With the exception of the first line, what have we done this year? I, I mean, offensively, not much. Really not much. I'm sorry. I'm just reading some of these comments. Grump. I, I know this one's going to elicit a funny response. I'm hopefully there from you. Uh, Bill Brady says Brock Nelson is all around the best player on the Islanders. Grumpy old man. No. No. I don't, I don't necessarily I, – I, I could see people making an argument for it is all I'm going to say, Grumpy. He does a great job as a two-way game. He's improved a lot as a center under trots, and I think he's going to continue to improve. Uh, he's got the offensive scoring touch going around this year too. So, and even last year too. So I think Brock Nelson is definitely developing possibly in the best all around player. Sure. You can make an argument for it. He's got two, he's got two points on the power play. That's it. He's the driver of the second line. That's done nothing. Absolutely nothing. I think he is our best two way center. I'll go with that, but best all around player. Absolutely not, because he doesn't bring enough offensively. He just doesn't. There's no creativity from him. I'm just – I would be scared to see what this team would be like without Matt Barzal. Then somebody come back and say, oh, Brock Nelson, he's our best all-around player. Yeah, okay, no, sorry. Sorry, Bill Brady. Welcome home, Bill Brady. Okay, Grump, I'm just going to put it like this, right? Matt Barzal doesn't have anywhere near – the defensive ability that Brock Nelson does. This is best all-around player, not most offensive talented. Completely different thing. So, again, I'm just saying I could see how people are making that argument. If you're saying that he's our best two-way forward, it's not a far stretch to say maybe he's the best all-around player on the team. Okay. Matt Barzell has been light years better on the, in the defensive end this year. Absolutely. He's all over the ice. His, his game has, take a quantum, has taken a quantum leap jump this year. And that's what I'm saying. He, okay, is he as good defensively as uh, – as Brock Nelson, no, but Brock Nelson isn't even close 
to as good as he is offensively. Not even close. Four games in. Again, I'm just going to say taper expectations, right? Maybe Matt Barzola has improved on the defensive side of the puck, right? To play with Occam's razor there, right? We've played three games against teams that we expect at the bottom of our division. So, again, let's taper expectations, right? We could very well see, you know, the map bars all we saw last year where he might just be back getting late. He gets hung up there on a long shift and better, more offensively talented teams are able to take advantage and go ahead and pot those goals. We saw multiple instances like that last year. I'm not saying that I'm expecting that to continue uh, where map bars all doesn't have you know, fundamentally sound defense all, you know, game in and game out. I'm just saying we're four games in. I think he has made strides there defensively. But again, we've played some poor teams so far in the division. I think it's important. I have to keep saying that, Grumpy. I'm not saying we can't continue to head on this uh, successful campaign here in the regular season, but we're four games in and we've played, you know, three of them. Three of the games we've played are against teams I think it will be towards the bottom of the division. And I could say the same thing about Brock Nelson, where he just continues to bury shots right in the crest or just miss the net from right out in front and, you know, misses open guys with passes, you know, or just be Brock Nelson, which is what he's been his whole career. And and he, like I'm going to say it again, he has improved the most. He's benefited the most from the Barry Trot system because it doesn't depend on individual skill. So that's why he's improved the most. I mean, like I said, I, I if you if you ask anybody – Who's the best all-around player on the Islanders? No one's going to say Brock Nelson. They're all going to say Matt Barzal. Oh, my gosh. All-around player, Grumpy, right? Brock Nelson's better in a face-off. How many times – it's not – I won't dive too much into it, Grump, because this is just an argue of semantics, right? How often do you see Matt Barzal in the penalty killer, right? He's not a defensively gifted player. You don't want to waste his time out there in a penalty kill either. In the same token, though, Grumpy old man – He's not a guy who's very fundamentally defensively sound. Do you ever see Matt Barzal out there on the ice at the end of the game when the other team has an empty net? No, because he doesn't play defense as well as guys like Brock Nelson. Sure, he might be more offensively talented, but you just said best two-way forward, Brock Nelson. I'm just saying I could see how people make the stretch of you're the best two-way forward on the team. You might be the best all-around player on the team. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Here's the thing. Matt Barzal is not 35 years old. That's why he's not out there in the last two minutes of the game because – the armadillo won't put any youngsters out there. Uh, I mean, look look who he puts out there now, right? Andy Green's out there in the last two minutes of every game, right? You see guys like that. You see the old – he loves to play the old guys. You see Anders Lee out there in the last two minutes of the game. Is he that great defensively? He is not. But there's certain guys that coach likes, and those are the guys that play the most. It's just the way it is. And if you're, if you're not – his thing, if you're not old enough to uh, grow a playoff beard – uh, you're not going to be out there in crucial crunch time minutes. Okay, Grumpy. We will agree to disagree. All I'm saying is I could see how people make the argument, Grump. That's all I'm going to say. Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce this name, this Twitter handle, MKNYCTO. Again, another longtime listener to the podcast here, Grumpy Old Man, says, if we had more firepower, then everyone wouldn't have to play totally – or not everybody would have to totally play defense. That's 100% correct, right? And here's the whole thing. Maybe we wouldn't have to win every game one nothing or two to one against the good teams. I mean, we give up three goals against a good team, we're done. Right? I mean, and wouldn't it wouldn't the games be more fun to watch? I, I'm just I'm just saying from a fan's perspective, wouldn't the games be a little bit more fun to watch? I, I will tell you this. 
I know, you know, if we're looking at how the season's gone so far, we're four games in. Two of the games, I think we've looked dominant. I think we looked dominant against the Devils, and I think we looked dominant game one against the Rangers. Again, that's not the style usually that we play. We usually play that bend-don't-break style that we saw against the Boston Bruins. I'm expecting more games to look like that here in the near future once we start playing some of the more talented top-half teams in the division. So, again, I'm not saying we can't look totally dominant out there on the ice. I just more expect us to look the way we did against the Boston Bruins. It's not an attractive style of hockey, which is why we said there are no bandwagon Islander fans. We don't play an attractive style of hockey where we hang up five goals a game. We play a defensive structured style, bro. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, you know, but wouldn't it be nice to have more talent on the team? as just opposed to being a team of grinders where, you know, everything has to go right for you to win games. You're not going to come back in a, in a game where you're down a couple of goals. You have no shot uh, unless the other team just falls apart. I mean, I just, I just wish we had more talent. I mean, and that's where the fossils failures really come to the forefront, right? You and I are different, bro. That's all I'm going to say. I can give, I can care less what we look like. <laughs> out there on the ice. I was about to say, I had to catch myself there, Grumpy. I can care less what we look like out there on the ice, Grumpy old man. All I care about is whether we win. I understand that not every style is going to be appealing, and that's fine. As long as we get the end result, that's all that matters. It's like it's like a football team, like Navy, right? Nobody likes watching Navy games. They play that triple option where it's like, oh, we're going to grind them down and run the ball every single play, and it's going to take us 90 plays to get 100 yards to score a touchdown. doesn't matter, though, Grumpy old man. If it wins games, that's all that really matters. Okay, when Navy goes up against the big boys, they get rolled. Why? Because Navy doesn't have the talent that the other teams have. Navy okay, if that's the way you want. It, if that's the way you want to look at it, that's fine. Uh, let me get my point out. Let Navy me get my point. Oh, two years ago, I believe, Grump. That's all I'm going to say. What? Navy beat Oklahoma two years ago, didn't they? It was a top ten Oklahoma team that lost to Navy two years ago. Wow. No, no, no. Uh, here's the thing: if you don't have the talent, you're not going to beat the big boys. You're just not. I mean, you might be happy winning regular season games. I want to win Stanley Cups. That's what I want. And to be that, you have to be a better team with better players. The teams with the best players usually win. I mean, I realize it's a grind, but the more talent you have, the greater your chance for success. We don't have a whole lot of talented players on this team. And I'm not saying they're not, they don't have talent, but everyone has to play a system. Really good coaching. You incorporate and play to the strengths of your players. When Lou Lamarillo goes out and drafts Simon Holmstrom in the first round, who was predicted to maybe be a second-round pick, instead of guys who have first-round talent, who have offensive acumen, and he doesn't pick them because they don't fit his system, that's a mistake. You draft the best talent. Those are the guys who are going to win in the long run. I'm not opposed to drafting the best player available. I think that's always the way you should go. It doesn't matter what. I mean, like unless you have a plethora of, say, goaltenders, right? I don't think if you identify, hey, this is a goalie we think that's slipped, that can really be great. But, you know, our starting goaltender is 25 years old and absolute brick back there. And we've got another guy in the pipeline that we think is going to come in. Yeah, sure. I mean, like it's a little different. But I think usually having the best player available mindset is good, Grumpy Old Man. I was speaking of Army. They lost – the Army lost to them, and I think double overtime – 2018 or overtime. I just got it pulled up there a second ago. But again, when you have that long and pedantic style, it's not interesting to watch their football. I mean, as long as you're winning games, it's all really people care about. It might not be pretty, but it wins. What's what? What's the end game? What's the what's end, your end game? Grumpy old man. There's a few different things. You want to win games. 
You want to win Stanley Cups, and you want to be exciting for the fans. Okay. And here's the thing, though, right? If you're not doing at least two of those, you're <laughs> you're going to lose the fan base real quick. I mean, if you're not going to be fun to watch for the fans, you have to win games and you have to go after Cups. If you're not doing those, or let's say you're not winning games and you're not fun for the fan base, I mean, you're, you're also still not going to be winning and competing for Cups. But the same token, if you're not competing for Cups, then you're not fun to watch. I mean, that, Isn't that where we're at? We're not I, fun to watch. Absolutely not fun to watch. And we're not going to compete for Stanley Cup. We have been fun to watch here so far this season. I really would say besides the Boston Bruins game and against the Rangers, the second game against the Rangers, we've been fun to watch, Grump. That being said, we're competing. We are in the mode where we are competing for Stanley Cups. You might not think so, Grumpy old man, but we are. We just made it to the Eastern Conference Finals last season. All right. If you want to hang your hat on the pandemic year, that's fine. Because if it wasn't a pandemic year, we probably don't even make the playoffs. Okay. Let's look at it. We were what the seven seed. I mean, that's where we're at. We don't have enough talent to make a push to win the Stanley Cup. Do I hope I'm wrong? Absolutely. Take Matt Barzal off this team, and we are unwatchable. Unwatchable. Think about that. He he's the only player on the team where a fan would say, "Man, that guy can play." Or I watched a little bit of Tampa Bay's game today, and they got beat by Columbus five two. But I'm watching them on the power play. My gosh, their entries are so smooth. That's what I mean. Just I mean, just my. We don't see anything like that from the Islanders. Nothing. nothing. Here's, my, here's my question, Grum. Would it make you happy if we looked great through entries on power play and we moved the puck so well and came so close to scoring all the time, but just missed and lost every game? Would it make you happy? Again, like, I, I don't know. That's, I guess, where we have a different school of thought. I really don't care. As long as we're winning games and we have that system that has gotten us to high places before in the past, Grumpy Old Man, that makes me happy. Well, like I said, you've never you've never been a fan of a winning hockey team. So I can see why you think that. You think just qualifying for the playoffs and, hey, we won a couple of playoff rounds, uh, but we're really dominated in the Eastern Conference Finals by an undermanned Tampa Bay team. Uh, we, went, we went further than any other team in the NHL did last year against the Stanley Cup winning champion. champion. So, again, you know, take it as you will, grumpy old man, right? It's like saying, hey, it's like when the Red Wings had that dynasty. Oh, we lost to the Red Wings. I mean, it's just one of those dynasty-type teams. Again, like it's unfortunate, but in the same token, they're pretty damn good. We need more talent on this team if we want to be if we want if we want to win a Stanley Cup. We need more talent on this team. I'm not saying we don't. The question was about how we play in our playing style, Grumpy. I'm not saying we don't need more talent. You're complaining about the playing style. I said I don't care how we play. I just care if we win. Boring. I said the Ben don't break style is boring. And I get it. I've embraced it, though, Grumpy. I understand that's how we're going to play. And against good teams, that's how we look. There's moments, elongated moments, where it looks like we are on the ropes. Oh, wow, we can't clear the puck for five minutes, and we've been hemmed up in our own zone. You know, we might be up by one goal, but it looks like we're going to give up that goal for a solid period and a half. And then, just like that, we're able to catch them in a counter-strike, score a goal, and blow the game wide open. That's the style we play. I'm not saying we don't need more talent. I'm just saying our style is not fun to watch, but it doesn't matter. It's winning games. And it has won games for the last two years on a Barry Trotz. You can consistently beat lesser teams with that style. When you play against teams with more talent, you're not gonna you're not gonna consistently win those games. You're just not. 
Grumpy, we will. That will be a talking point, I'm sure, throughout the rest of the season in other podcasts. We do have comments that I want to show you, Grumpy. Uh, David Cutler saying, lackadaisical sit around while impact players are being moved. The issue is that he uses a flip phone and the rest of the GMs communicate by text. Grumpy, I feel like that resonates with you because you still use the landline, Grumpy old man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But you know what? He's not wrong. I mean – if you want, if you want to get your team better, you have to get creative. You have to make moves. All he makes is moves on the periphery, right? Third and fourth line players. When was the last time he went? He's never, as part of this organization, made a move for a top line player. Not once, or a top line defender. He, everybody, everyone's a bottom six guy. He thinks by improving the bottom six, which is already strong, you make the whole team better. We lack high end talent on this team. That's what we need. That's why I was so for the line A trade. If you wanted to move Taze, and I've said it before, if you felt compelled to, I would have dumped Letty years ago. They're just in love with him for who knows what reason. I would have kept Taves. He's, what, five years younger, makes less money, and at this stage of his career is a better player, a much better player. But they love the old guys, period, right? So you don't have the option. He, I bet you didn't even think about trying to get line A. I, I mean – why? What were they going to do if Johnny Boychuk didn't go long-term injury? What were they going to do then? They didn't even know because if they did, they would have been able to keep Taves. But, you know, that's a whole story. That's a, that's a story for another day. I just think he's unprepared for today's NHL. Okay, Grump. Well, after you just got done tearing into Nick Letty, I think it's only right we bring up this question here from Scott. He says, I know Grumpy's not a big fan of Letty. Again, you've said it earlier. This is an earlier comment, though, Grumpy. You've mentioned it just off the end of that breath. And he also says, but one thing that Letty does well is if he gets caught in the offensive zone, he has no problem getting back. His skating is very underrated. I think he can skate very well. The thing that's always drove me insane about Nick Letty is that just like we see occasionally with Noah Dobson, and we've seen here early on in this young career, he plays with the puck too much, and then you'll see he gets forechecked there by a forward from the opposing team. He loses it, and it creates a chance there for another team, the, the opposing team to score. That type of stuff drives me insane. Again, I'm willing to give a younger guy a little bit more of a leash because he needs to learn that's not what he needs to do. He needs to be stronger on the puck at those time periods. Nick Letty is a grizzled veteran. Should not be making mistakes like that. And again, like I know he can skate. I know he has the ability. And that's why it drives me insane when that stuff happens. But Grump, I'll let you give your side as well. Yes, yeah, Scott. Uh, I'm just going to say one thing. Letty is used to uh, having to leave that that offensive zone fast because he continually turns the puck over at the blue line. So yeah, he's good at that because he's used to doing that. Um, and he ha he does. He's lackadaisical at times going back without a doubt. I mean, he's not a top-line defenseman anymore. He hasn't been for a number of years. The best thing the Islanders could have done was move him a couple of years ago when he had some value. They didn't. Now they're stuck with him because he's not going anywhere. And the coaching staff just loves him for some who knows what reason. Uh, the, co the coaching staff does love him. Barry Trotz loves him. I mean, Nick Letty's going nowhere. So, I mean, I think he's going to be here long-term, definitely. I mean, even after the contract expires, I think he will get an extension. Here it is, two minutes of pessimist sticking, chiming in, saying, except for that Ranger games, our goalies haven't had to face a lot of dangerous scoring chances. I'll say that's also been true. Our defense and our, our transition game has been much more solid. I mean, that second game against the Rangers – you know, we talked about how Boston carried the majority of play and we were able to counter strike them and score and, and wound up beating Boston. That being said, I mean, that Rangers game, the second Rangers game was, oh man, it was hard to watch. I know a lot of Islander fans turned that game off and, you know, 
they they looked dominant there in transition. They had a lot of chances to score. But I think he's right. Our, our goalies really – they've played well. Varlamov's done exactly what we want him to do. He's been unbelievable this season. But he hasn't really had to face a lot of those high dangerous scoring chances or those dangerous scoring chances, Grump. Right, which I mentioned earlier in the podcast. Uh, and the game against the Rangers, a lot of it – I don't even know – I mean, they had a couple of, uh, you know, dangerous area scoring chances. But for the most part – it was some poor positioning by Sororkin, as Butch would call him. Uh, I mean, how long can he get away with calling him Sororkin? I, I just want to know. Well, I like towards the end of the game. He's like, I got his name right that time. And I guess, like, I, you know, Brendan has to give him a little bit of junk sometimes. It's like, hey, it's, you know what I mean? It's, I feel like, you know, you work with a guy like that, you know, you can riff a little bit back and forth with him. But, man, oh, man, he was calling him Sororkin for the majority of the game. I'm like, I don't know. It kind of is funny, though. You know, it's kind of like a running gaff. I mean, all Islander fans know, like, oh, he butchers every single name. So it's kind of just like a running gaff, in my opinion. And I, I butchered Bavillier's name today, right? So whatever. I mean, it happens. But Butch does it. Every single game, who knuckle, uh, you know, that was another favorite. I, I mean, you know, whatever. But, you know, Sorokin had uh, – I don't think his positioning was really sound in that game uh, for a lot of reasons. I don't, I don't even count that game, honestly. Uh, it, was, it was just a bad game for us. And uh, so, that's to me, that's a one-off. But other than that, like I said, we're beating the teams we're supposed to. And if we can split against the good teams, like we beat Boston, even though uh, I thought they outplayed us totally, um, that still bodes well for getting into the playoffs, which is most important. Well, Grump, it's funny you mentioned that. Two months past mistake, and this is a while ago. He said Grumpy had a butchyism with Anthony Barzal. I like it. <laughs> true. Very, very true. Uh, here's also something interesting. Paul also chimes in here earlier. says, Eberly, Brock Nelson, and Barzal have six of the Islanders' nine goals this season. What does it tell you? Only, we're only four games in. That's what almost it? We're only four games oh, in. Okay. What does it tell you, though? I mean, it, it's not a surprise. We don't have any scoring on this team. We just don't. You got four goals from the first line, and the other two Brock's were two power play goals. That's it. I mean, you had, uh, you know, uh, Pajot scored a goal. What's the fourth line done? What's the third line done? What's the second line done? Less than nothing. They're the second. They're the second line on this team. They should be producing offense, and they're not. I feel like I just need to have like a sign, Grumpy, that just says we're four games in. Four is the amount of Stanley Cups I've seen them win. You've seen them win zero. <laughs> That's what four means. Actually, this is the old, for wrestling fans, the four horsemen sign. They were an NWA wrestling group. Ric Flair, woo! Uh, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, and then they had a rotating cast of characters as a third guy, Lex Luger or Barry Windham or, uh, you know. Could have been any any number of guys. Well, Grumpy, we got a comment here from two specialists taking all the same. This is an earlier comment. Butchie is the happy old man. Grumpy is the grumpy old man. I like it. <laughs> I like uh, uh, two minutes of pessimistic's wife. She's a nice person. Two minutes of pessimistic. Yeah, she gives you comments all the time, Grump. Um, I like her. She's nice. Yes, Grumpy. Here you go. Uh, Scott, also, we're sorry. We're just catching up with a slew of comments that we have. Does Sorokin start tomorrow? Because if Varley keeps playing this way, he's going to get exhausted, have nothing left for the playoffs. Again, I think this is a good opportunity to hopefully try to get Sorokin headed back in the right direction. I mean, Varlamov, and again, like it's tough, right? Varlamov has been standing on his head as of late, only given up one goal in three 
starts this season. Um, so ideally, you'd like to try to keep you know riding the hot hand. In the same token, though, right? You want to try to get Sorokin's confidence back established. And remember, uh, the Devils. One, they're going to be one of the bottom team, if not the worst team in our division. So trying to hopefully get him a little bit of a confidence booster after he got absolutely shelled in his you know, uh, NHL debut might be the right way and right path to do so. And making sure he has enough time to prepare knowing, hey, you're going to be the starter here today. So it's not like he's thrown in the action 30 minutes beforehand saying, hey, surprise, time for you to start. Yeah, I think we're playing four games in the next seven days, something like that. Um, I think Sorokin should definitely – you know what they've had? What off since Thursday? Mm. Do you so, play him? Do you play him uh, Varlamov tomorrow and then go uh, with Sorokin against Washington? I don't know. I, here's, you know. here's the schedule, Grumpy. I'm gonna interrupt you. So we play the Devils tomorrow at seven o'clock. Then on Tuesday we play the Washington Capitals. Then on Thursday we play the Washington Capitals again, and then that Saturday we play the Philadelphia Flyers. I think we're going to see mm, – I don't know. Uh, what I would do, I would go Varlamov, Sorokin, Varlamov, Varlamov. That's what I would go. I think you're going to play one of the two games, particularly the first one, um, with a depleted Washington team. That's probably who I would go with Sorokin. Hmm. Optimally, I'd, I'd like them to split. Go Sorokin, Varlamov, Sorokin, Varlamov. But, you know, we'll see what uh, Trotz does. We also have a comment here from David. He's saying here, Grumpy, how about a junkyard dog four-check line with Jean-Gabriel Pajot, Casey Zizekas, and Michael Del Cole? I know it's two centers on one line, but they can create havoc. Anything that includes Michael Del Cole is not a junkyard dog. <laughs> and the junkyard dog, the junkyard dog was another classic uh, wrestler. He used to wrestle in the Mid-South region and then went to the WWF, World Wrestling Federation. I know they're the WWE now. But uh, he was extremely popular down in the South in the 1980s. Super popular. He's like the biggest star in that territory. I, I just like how if you watch all of the old school wrestling events, they've got like the WWF now blurred out because it's the World Wildlife Federation. So they have to blur that out with <laughs> for the worldwide wrestling federation or whatever the heck it was grumpy. But I like how WWF is always blurred out on all the, you know, the older films that you watch there of wrestling. Yeah. I mean, and actually the WWF was originally the WWWF, but WWF was before then uh, was before the world wildlife federation or foundation. Uh, and they didn't even lose the court case in the United States. They lost a court case in England and they just figured it wasn't going to be worth it to pay them off, so they just went WWE. So, but old time wrestling fans know the WWF for certain, and the Junkyard Dog. You know, he not much. I don't think he was a great wrestler. His uh, big finishing move was like a, a power slam. But he was the dog gnawing on a bone. I mean, he was, he was good. Sylvester Sylvester Ritter was his real name. Grumpy old man. We have a few more comments. I'm just, I'm sorry. I've got to catch up here. So I've got a one track mind here right now. MKNYCTO says Washington adjusted uh, playing a bit more defense with Barry Trotz there. Uh, but they also had the talent to win without totally commit. Without now, he, yeah, I'm sorry. He's exactly right. And that's what I've always said about them is the reason why Barry Trotz won, uh, won that one year and remember, he was on the way out there. He'd been there for a couple of years, and they'd still underachieved. 
but they won because Ovechkin finally bought in fully, but and they did play more of a team style. But they had fantastic talent. That's what won for them. Not playing a defensive system. They had Ovechkin. They had Backstrom. They had Oshie. They had Carlson back there. Holtby was playing fantastic in goal. They were really loaded back then. Remember, they were the Tampa Bay Lightning before the Tampa Bay Lightning. Every year, everyone said Washington's the favorite to win the Cup, right? But they couldn't get over the hump. They get beat by Pittsburgh every single year because they didn't have that commitment. And Trotz lost to Pittsburgh uh, for a number of years, too, to Mike Sullivan. But then that one year, Barry's last year, it all came together, and they managed to win the Cup. But they always had superior talent, and that's what that's what eventually won for them. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I know, like during that time period when they were considered a dominant team and a force to be reckoned with. I mean, that was still back in the time period where they had Mike Green as a top pairing defenseman for them. Again, if that tells you how much times have changed for that Washington Capitals team since they were first dubbed as, "Hey, this is a team that needs to be making a chance there for a playoff, a deep playoff run," but they never could beat the Penguins. I mean, that that was back during the Mike Green time period. I think Grumpy. And I'm going to tell you what, it's tough to win a Stanley Cup. I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any sport where it's tougher to win the championship than the Stanley Cup. I, I just there's there's nothing that's tougher because it's a grind. It's like a two-month grind at the end of a regular season. Basketball, okay, but I mean there's no real physicality in basketball. The strongest team survives at the end. I mean, guys are playing through any myriad of injuries every single year. I'll say, I'll say again, there's a physical aspect involved in basketball, Grumpy, but nowhere near the physical aspect that's involved in hockey. Again, you get towards the end of the season, and I always like, you know, after the Stanley Cup finals, there's always a myriad of injuries that come out after, you know, the last game, after the Stanley Cup, you know, champions have been uh, crowned. And it's like, Oh well, Adam Pellick played all of Game Five with a broken wrist, or all of Game Six with a broken wrist, and oh, you know, this player had a torn a torn groin that he was playing on, and this player has broken a pinky and dislocated a thumb and all this other stuff, but he was still out there on the ice. Yeah, so definitely, you see the war of attrition start to pile up there in hockey a little more than you do in basketball, in my opinion. Again, it's a physical toll that it takes. Absolutely. I mean, speaking about physical tolls, TJ, did you hear that Andrew Ladd has been sent to the AHL? Yes, yes, I, I was aware of that grumpy old man. So he's been sent down there to Bridgeport. And again, obviously it's bad for his career, but, you know, it's it's better for the Islanders organization as a whole. He doesn't need to be up here, doesn't need to be on the taxi squad. It's unfortunate that he's only going to want it playing, I think it's 24 games down there for the AHL this season against really two opponents. So, uh, which is, I think, also the main reason why Hosang left so he can't go ahead and get more games under his belt. Uh, that's why he went there on loan there to the same team that Robin Sal is playing for in Sweden. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how much Lad actually plays there because we don't believe in playing the young players even in the minors. I mean, it's a veteran group for the most part, right? I mean, for the most part it is. I mean, they continually sign a bunch of – Four A players, as I like. Well, you get you get the Matt Laritos, and you get guys like uh, Steve Bernier out there on the ice. And again, I think they play more minutes probably than they should. Uh, yeah, but it'll be interesting. He played well when he played for Bridgeport last season, though, if I remember correctly. Okay, what is the A? It's a developmental league. You're supposed to be developing younger players, not playing guys who are well past their prime or are finished. I mean. I, 
I don't understand that mindset. I just don't. You want your young guys to step in, not a bunch of old guys. You want your young guys to step in. It's frustrating. And that's another – I'm going to bring up Real Madrid, Real Madrid again because just real quick, they had – when they lost Cristiano Ronaldo, they continue to ride the old guys. Their time is done. Play the young guys. That's why the coach is in trouble right now. Ah, grumpy. Oh, grumpy old man. Uh, Jeff Feinblum also chimes in saying, Grump, Letty is solid. Um, I look at it like this. I think Nick Letty, again, he's a top four defenseman around the league. And when he's on our team, I'm obviously going to be much more hypercritical than I would be if any player there isn't on our team. That being said, I don't think this is a guy we need to worry about long term, right? We have so many young players in our that are talented young defensemen that you think, all right, maybe this guy can find his way there on, you know, the Islanders roster in some capacity. We have a lot of those guys where it's like, all right, they're starting to become ripe there on the vines. It's time to see what they have or get rid of them. And again, I'm fine. If you want to keep Letty long-term, completely fine with it. You just need to offload and move a lot of those younger defensemen. that are just going to sit there and waste away time. And you think to yourself, all right, Sebastian Ajo goes on a one-way contract starting next year. What's the plan there with him? Right. I mean, like, is he ever going to have a chance? I mean, what's the point? Are you just going to go ahead and let him get claimed by somebody or let him just sit down there in Bridgeport? Again, I, Sebastian Ajo is not a great defenseman. You know, he's a little bit smaller, undersized. But again, he's a guy who could be a top six player. And I know with the expansion draft, there could be a lot of moving and shaking. But, you know, you look at Parker Wotherspoon's down there. You've got guys like Mitchell Van Sample. We've got Robin Sallows. We've got the Bodie Wilds. You've got the Samuel Bulldogs. It's about, you know, long term, you start thinking to yourself, all right, who are the next? What's the next plan of succession? Right now, I think Letty needs to be on the Islanders. But again, next this offseason, who the heck knows? You have guys that are chomping at the bit, ready to get their chance. Grant Hutton's another guy you left out, right? Yeah, Grant Hutton is another guy who's. I think he's going to be a good NHLer one day too. See, that's you make deals from strength. The strength is your defense core. You move. Who's? I mean, who's a better player right now? If a playoff team came and said we need a defenseman. I'd move Nick Letty in a second. And I think Letty has actually played pretty good this year so far, he and Mayfield. I thought that was going to be a disastrous pairing, and it still might prove to be. Uh, but they've been, they have been pretty solid. But you're making $5.5 million for solid? Okay, to me, I'm sorry. I'll tell you there's, there's cheaper options out there that you have in your system where if you were, have, were better at dispersing your assets – you could maybe move a Nick Letty and some, a couple of young guys to get a high-end forward, which you desperately need. I will tell you this, Grumpy. I think Nick Letty has played well so far this year. And this is, again, he's hit, he's hit the crossbar in the post a few times, too. And again, a few inches to the left or the right, you know, up or down. You know, you could be talking a completely different story here with more points, too. I think he has looked good so far this year. And that's one thing I've also pondered a little bit this offseason. How much was Nick Letty hindered by being partners with Johnny? Johnny Boychuk, by the way, um, I think is actually going to start maybe in a coaching role in some capacity. He was out there on the ice there. Um, I think he might be groomed or having a role there as a coach in some capacity for the Islanders. That makes me happy. I think he would be an excellent and a superb coach. Um, that being said, though, I always wondered how much of his game was hindered by Johnny Boychuk. I mean, Johnny at the end couldn't skate. And you wondered how he had to play and maybe how he thought he had to compensate for Johnny's inability to skate in just his old age. Right. I mean, it is what it is. Johnny's gone. You know, I love Johnny. But how long before Noah Dobson, who I think has made already uh, tremendous strides this season, 
uh, with his increased ice time. Uh, how long before he takes over that second uh, pairing role? I mean, I think it could be before the end of the year. He's made huge strides. Then you want to pay a, a $5.5 million for a guy who's a third-line defenseman, which is what I think he is at this stage of his career. Remember, it's not 2016 when he was outstanding. It's 2021. I mean, his game is tailed off. I just think they should have been more proactive and moved somebody like that earlier when he still had more value, but they insist on keeping him. You could have got a first-round draft pick for him a couple of years ago. Now you can't get anything with the flat cap the way it is. Uh, I won't say that. I will tell you something, Grumpy. I forgot. We're in 2021 already. Man, oh, man. You look back on the hockey years like, oh, yeah, 2016 didn't seem that long ago. And you're like, oh, wait, that was five years ago. Uh, grumpy old man. Uh, Bruce Kingsta, hey, he's he's chiming in here, says, Line is a head case. I will say he is a very streaky. You talk about streaky uh, wingers, Grumpy old man. Patrick Line can be very streaky. Hey, he scores 40 goals a year, though. I'll take that. Again, he could be very streaky. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, um, but he, yeah, but he can score. He's a sniper. It's what we need. Think about how good our power play would be with somebody like that on it in the trigger spot. Think about it. That's all I'm saying. You get if we get an extra goal, or if we get an extra, if let's say we get an extra goal a game, how much better is this team with how good we play defense? If we're averaging an extra goal a game, grumpy old man, we automatically get moved into an elite tier category. I, I, you know, our defense might suffer a little bit with with bringing a guy like Patrick Kleine, but again, he's already gone. No point too much talking about it. But yeah, I, I think if we had a, if we had an ability to average a goal more a game, I think we would be one of the top scoring teams though in the league. Grumpy. Um, we also have a comment here from Brian. He says, "Totally agree with Grumpy. Tampa Bay uh, had four conference finals in six years, always top in scoring." Pittsburgh first in goals after Sullivan arrived and won back-to-back cups. Washington always good was an always good and loaded team with offense, and now Colorado will be great for a decade, loaded with offense, just like Chicago's long run. This style makes you competitive. That's it. Uh, this worked pre-lockout. He's right. The, the best thing he said was he agreed with me. That <laughs> makes him automatically smarter than anyone who doesn't. So. Uh, <laughs> But I'm 100% agreement. I mean, if you want to actually win, you're going to have to put the puck in the net. I mean, you can look at, right, the Knights, right? Golden Knights, whatever they call themselves. They came up with a defensive style first, didn't win, but they've improved immensely as a team by picking up guys who can put the puck in the net. It's the most – you have to score to win. I mean, you can't – if if your uh, measure of – Failure and success, the margin is so slim, it doesn't bode well for your team. If you have the ability to score, you can overcome some mistakes. When you don't, you give up a goal. It's like almost like the game is over. And I know the Islanders have come back in recent years after being down by a couple of goals. But mostly we don't. We get down and we're going to lose that game. I mean, our, just our style uh, doesn't work if you want to win Stanley Cups, particularly in the long haul. In a shortened season, perhaps, but for like an 82-game season and then however many more games you play in the playoffs, you need talent to win. That type of style that we play wears on the players. It's just a grind, and it's tough to do that year after year. And we're an older team. I mean, it's not like we're a bunch of young guys who can, you know, withstand. You, you get quicker uh, uh, reaction from injuries. You get better quicker. When you're older, you don't. Let me tell you that from personal knowledge. Okay. 
But here's the thing, right? If you want to win a cup, younger teams with more talent have a greater chance to win than older teams with a lack of talent. Hmm. Grump, there's so much to unpack. I'm, there's no point to try to die on that hill. I'll tell you, it's always good to have a good mixture. You don't want to have too young of a team. You want to have everybody ideally in their prime. Oh, okay, yes, that's right. We do. You do want to have a team with everybody's in their prime. Oh, go out on the real ledge there, TJ. Why don't you? Yeah, <laughs> I want all my teams, all my players, to be Hall of Famers at the top of their game. That's what you optimally want. Well, that doesn't happen. But here's the thing. Let's be honest. We are one of the oldest teams in the league, without a doubt. We'll tell you, though, Grumpy, you complain about us being old, and you did it all off-season long. They have already started to show signs of, yes, we're starting to integrate the younger guys. Kiefer Bellows started the first four games of the year, and even if he doesn't start here tomorrow against the Devils, it's probably going to be Oliver Wallstrom in that role. Again, two young forwards that we've been wanting to go ahead and get integrated in the system. Ross Johnson. I mean, he's no spring chicken. I think he's 25 or 26 years old, but he's not. You know, our average age was 28.3 years old last year at the start of the season, right? Johnny Boychuk is no longer on the team. We've replaced him there with Noah Dobson. Thomas Christ is no longer on the team. We've replaced him there with Ia Sorokin. So we're taking steps to getting younger. It's not like it happens all at once overnight. I think we're making the right steps. That's and all. We re- and we replaced Devon. I'm sorry. And we replaced Devon Taves with Andy Green. So, you know, and we keep – we re-sign a 32-year-old fourth-line winger, right? And our fourth line is what? Is anyone underneath the age of 30? Maybe Casey, was he 29? Everybody else is on the wrong side of 30. That's your that's your fantastic fourth line, right? We've, I mean, we've, we've talked about it before. We don't know how long Cal Clutterbuck's going to play, especially since he doesn't have feeling – he was even mulling over retiring this offseason. So, again, I, you know, things are going to sort themselves out, Grumpy. I think we're making the right steps. I think that's the most important thing. You're seeing the Bell. You're seeing, hopefully, the Wallstrom starting to get integrated in the lineup. You've seen that Noah Dobson, again, he's the bona fide. He's going to be a top four, you know, hopefully by the end of the season defenseman. He's getting a lot of opportunities. He's out there on the power play, still having growing pains, but that's also heading in the right direction. But we, but the whole thing is we don't make any moves to get better. I mean, all you're doing, I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but I mean, I want, I want to improve our talent level on this team, and it doesn't have to be old guys. I just some of the moves we made just to keep veterans. I mean, it started with re-signing Lee, Everly, and Nelson. Now Nelson, you know, I know you love him, and he certainly. Uh, like I said, the biggest beneficiary of this system. But Lee and Everly, were they really needed? Or could we have used that money somewhere else to get a younger upgrade perhaps at those positions? I don't think that they're top-line wingers anymore. Uh, I think they're more second-line guys, but they're on the top line here. Uh, I mean, wouldn't you, don't you want to try to improve your team if you can as opposed to going with status quo all the time when status quo has not won you anything? We're revving the tires here, Grump. We've got a few comments I want to get you. I know we're at an hour and a little over an hour and fifteen. I know we're wrapping it up here. We've got a few more questions. I don't I can't I can't battle you on stuff like that right now. Uh Grump, would you fire Brent Thompson? Never wins and can't develop forwards. Well, develop like a son of a gun, but the forward position struggles a little bit. Yeah, but we don't have any forward talent. We don't draft high talented players. We just don't. We do have and whoever's 
doing the scouting uh, does a great job with defensemen. And if Brent Johnston, uh, Brent Thompson is responsible for those defensemen uh, being as good as they are, I have no problem with that. The problem I have is management doesn't give them a chance. We want to keep playing older guys and bringing older guys in, a.k.a. Andy Green, as opposed to giving a younger guy a shot. Um, you're right when it comes to the forwards, but who we drafted who would you say is superior? Even Wallstrom. I mean, was he really that great? I don't know. Then you then you draft a guy like Holmstrom. I mean, you need talent. I don't know who develops the talent down there. I don't know who signs. I'm going to blame, blame Chris Lamarillo, honestly, because he, he's related to the fossil. So he doesn't know how to build a team, and neither does Lou. Grumpy old man. I want to go ahead and get to the last segment we usually have here on the podcast and live stream, Grumpy. Um, before our next live stream, which is going to be Wednesday, uh, again, it's going to be at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Grumpy old man. Um, I want to get your predictions. I want to know what you think is going to happen in tomorrow's game against the Devils, which is going to be held, I think it's at 7 o'clock, and then on Tuesday's game against the Washington Capitals at 7 o'clock, Grump. I want to hear what your prediction is for those two games. I'm afraid to make a prediction. I predicted we were going to beat the Rangers, and we actually got and we absolutely got steamrolled. But I'm going to say that we win both of those games. Excuse me. Excuse All me. Right. You passed your bedtime. I see you snoring, you're yawning over there. Are you tired? Is that why you want to end the podcast? Because I could talk all night, but it seems like you know you need to get to bed or something. Grump, you tire me with your monologues and your and your <laughs> and your consistent points. Grump is what it is. You tire me. You, you work me down. Um, and every hour we get to the point where I'm like, oh man, I gotta I gotta get up. No, I'm just giving you a hard time, Grump. Um, but I'm trying to think myself. I, I think we're going to be probably three points here in the next few games. I think we lose in overtime to the Devils, but beat the Capitals. Okay. I mean, if you get – honestly, we should get at least three points out of this. And the whole thing is you want to you want to make sure you beat the lesser teams, and if you can split with the better teams, you make the playoffs. I mean that that's that's the way to, that's the way to get a playoff spot. I think we're going to make the playoffs. I've said that since the beginning. I think that we'll be right there towards the edge. I mean, the lowest I see us dropping is maybe as you know the fourth best team in the division. I think though, the way we play and the style we play keeps us close against every single team. So, oh goodness, grumpy old man. We've got a comment here, and this lasts a little bit here. David says. Any plans for a post-game show after a loss? I, I'll tell you one thing, David. I talked about this beforehand. I'm worried. I'm worried because if we're we record on Saturdays and Wednesdays, they're the live stream, and that's that's the schedule we're going to keep. But if the Islanders are playing a game on a Saturday and Wednesday, we're not going to do pre-game coverage. We've tried that before. Um, it's just a little odd. We're, we're going to do post-game, and I can only imagine what the grumpy old man's going to be like. If the Islanders lose, what what post game is going to look like? As long and, as I'm afraid, I'm almost afraid to do something, but we're going to. Yeah, as long as it's not the Flyers, I can maybe muddle through, but ugh, I I I, I can't lose the Flyers. I'm sorry. I, I I I don't know what I would do. I'd lose my mind. Now the Ranger game, we got our butts kicked off the planet. So actually, I had plenty of time to semi calmed down by the time that game was over 
Um, but like if the games are close and I see some of my favorites screwing up and not getting called out for it, um, that makes me lose my mind. Well, Grumpy, we also got, again, MKNYC saying uh, no Wednesday games this season. Uh, thank goodness. So, again, it's only Saturday. And again, I feel like that's nice. Everybody could stay up later on a Saturday night. So even if a game ends, you know, around 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, or if we jump on and do like a post game after 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, you at least have some chance to recover and sleep in that Sunday. And, again, Grumpy Old Man, I was looking at the schedule a second ago, the Flyers are next Saturday, Grump. Uh, the Flyers are next Saturday. Again, I really don't want to see what it's going to look like, grumpy old man, if we lose after that Flyer game. <laughs> you think he's old and grumpy now? Well, I'll tell you one thing. He's not old after a loss. He's more than grumpy. So, <laughs> I, I tell you. If, but if we beat his thing on the plus side, we beat the Flyers, I'm absolutely ecstatic because I hate them. I do. And I'm glad there's no Wednesday games. And, I, I, and honestly, I did broach a subject with TJ about doing it post-game as opposed to pre-game. The reason being, you know, I realize that people have, at least I think a lot of people have families who listen to us. And, uh, you know, so maybe that's taking a little bit too much time away from the family. Uh, but after the game, you know, especially if you've watched the game, then you can listen to some elite analysis from the grumpy old man post-game. Uh, and I don't know if anyone's been watching, but AJ's hair has been absolutely terrible. On a couple of these podcast, on a couple of uh, Grump, you just complained about this with Mikey on Wednesday. Grumpy, I'll tell you this much: if you want, because you, you keep picking a bone with how AJ's hair looks post game, or just like I think it's again, I think it's just like the headphones that she puts on to just mess. Grumpy again, like you make these comments. Look at your hair, Grump. Come on, get out of here, Grumpy old man. I'll tell you this much. If you really want to, you have to send me the picture so I can use it there as a reference point because people, I'm sure, are not when they're listening to the post game thinking, hey, let me look at AJ Malesko's hair real quick. Watch it. I'm just going to say, I sent you a picture. It should, it should already be posted up here. It should be here on this podcast. You should post it. Matter of fact, you should put it up and then let me just comment on it. And here's the thing. I don't care that her hair gets messed up when she puts her headphones on. When she's on NBC, it doesn't look like that. Somebody's dropping the ball. I'm just saying, comb your hair. You're on television. Look at me. I don't have a whole lot of hair, but at least it looks it's not sticking out all over the place. It just takes one like that with a brush for you, Grumpy, or just a hat. I mean, I, I, you know, I could grow the hair off of my ears if I wanted to. <sighs> Grumpy old man. It's been fun. It's been real, Grump. Again, I, I think uh, – Two games, I think they're going to hopefully show favorable results for the Islanders. The Devils, again, you know, a seller dweller in the division, and they're probably going to be a seller dweller in the NHL. Probably another bottom five, bottom five performance from this season. And we're also going to be playing the Washington Capitals while they have a few people that have the concussion, like uh, the COVID tracing, where they're going to be out there for for the. Ex- a few, a few week, a week or so. I'm not sure exactly how long it'll be out, but they're going to be out for a little bit. So again, this is if there's a prime opportunity for the Islanders to take advantage of, you know, the Washington Capitals early on in the season, this is it. Absolutely, this is this is this is these are two games against Washington that we really need to win. Uh, the reason being, when you have a team that's down like that, four players and four top-notch players, you really want to make some hay there, without a doubt. Um, I do want to say, you know, for football fans. Uh, tomorrow we have the uh, the championship games, and I have a rooting interest in both. I'm rooting for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Buffalo Bills. 
Oh, grumpy old man. I didn't say that's who's going to win. Those are the two teams I'm rooting for. I was about to say, we're just waiting for you to break out a Tom Brady Buccaneers jersey, Grumpy. I tell you what, if they win the Stop. Super Bowl, I'm going to wear a Tom Brady shirt. Absolutely. I'm going to break it out. Think about it. 43 years old, and look what he's done. He could fit on. If he could fit in and play, uh, he'd probably be a top-line winger for us. 43 years old, he fits right in with the age demographic that the fossil likes to put out there. Oh, Grumpy. We'll end it on that. Thank you so much, Grumpy Old Man, for being a part of the podcast, as always. My pleasure. All righty. Thank you so much, everybody who listened here to the live stream today. Uh, again, we love the participation. We love everybody who does listen to the podcast and the live stream. Um, yep. Hopefully, Grumpy Old Man, you're able to get your uh, Islander little logo up in the background, too, here soon, Grumpy Old Man. I got plans. Oh, that's right. That's right. You already told me what they are. I'm looking forward to seeing the plant in action, Grumpy. But thanks for being a part of the podcast as always.